Good evening. From Coolidge, Arizona, it's January the 31st, 2019, and the program is A Study in Daniel. Uh, we welcome you to another broadcast of A Study in Daniel. This is episode 33, and we are continuing in chapter 10 this evening. Um, Moving through the first part of the chapter, uh, I would like to make a comment on a, another broadcast from this location on Sunday morning, last Sunday morning. Uh, my teammate and fellow teacher made a good point concerning the wording of Daniel chapter 10, the first 14 verses, and the way that they progress uh, and build on each other. And the idea is that these verses are a great illustration of a very good teaching method by building up, verse by verse, the anticipation of the reader so that you are nearly, literally drinking in the very words that Daniel had heard from heaven and the experiences that he was having at this time. And even... At the, uh, at the event of this vision. All of this becomes so real as you let these things build upon uh, one another and you see the issues and you see what he is going through and what he has done. And then in verse 14, when we come to that, we read that Gabriel's words to Daniel, quoting, I have come to inform thee of all that shall befall thy people in the last days. For the vision is yet for many days. Now, of course, that meaning that the vision would be would, is for many days in the future. <clears throat> Even though we do not read all the details that were revealed and understood uh, by Daniel, so long ago, we are satisfied that he, he then had the knowledge um, and the understanding concerning the end of the Jewish age for his people. Maybe not in full, but certainly had a very good scope. As we said last week, the rest of this revelation is going to be coming to him in the last cha chapter, chapter 12, in this point. But so do we. We know the end of these things too. From our reading of the whole council or the whole oracles, as they're known of God, the Bible, the words of the prophets, the words of Jesus, the teaching of the Lord's apostles in the New Testament, within these things, we understand and we know of the end of the age that Daniel was seen, uh, both seen and hearing about from Gabriel. Incidentally, all these things were written uh, within the time period of the Jewish covenant. They were all written and completed by, the, um, the, uh, by 70 to 73 AD. They were completed even before that. So before the fall of Jerusalem and the end of the Jewish realm, 
these things were written. We know that, uh, but not all understand it in that way. And that's one of our uh, that's one of our goals here, is to show that these things uh, were certainly uh, fulfilled, came to completion, or the culmination of the ages, however you want to phrase it, uh, came to the Jewish people according to the scriptures. So I think what I'd like to do today is to share with you uh, those first first 14 verses in the way that uh, Brother David was saying and see how they build on one another. And then I'll make an effort to uh, deal with uh, the uh, points of the verses as we as we look at them. Now we read a few of these verses last week, but in the very first verse, it gives us our timeline. That's where we start. In the third year of Cyrus, king of the Persians, a thing was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Balthazar, and the thing was true. And great power and understanding and the vision was given to him. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, and no flesh or wine entered into my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself with oil until three whole weeks were accomplished. Verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, I was near the great river, which is Tigris and Decal. I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen, and his loins were girt with gold of opaz, and his body was as Tarsus, and his face was an appearance of lightning, and his eyes as a lamp of fire and his arms and his legs as the appearance of a shi- of shining brass, and the voice of his words as the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, only saw the vision, and the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great amazement fell upon them, and they fled in fear. So, in verse 8, I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there was no strength left in me, and my glory was turned into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard him, I was pricked in the heart and fell with my face to the earth. And behold, a hand touched me, and it raised me on my knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words which I speak to thee, and stand upright, for I am now sent to thee. And when he had spoken to me this word, I stood trembling. And he said to me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to afflict thyself before the Lord thy God, they were, the words 
were heard, and I have and I am come because of thy words. Verse thirteen. But the prince of the kingdom of the Persians withstood me twenty one days, and behold, Michael, one of the princes, came to help me. And I left him there with the chief of the kingdom of the Persians. Verse 14, And I have come to inform thee of all that shall befall thy people in the last days. For the vision is yet for many days, and that's where we'll pause. So I I think we see how these things build. And I'd have to say it's hard to forget uh, what is what's occurring here and how that it works out. the The thing the the thing is though, <laughs> we're not hearing and seeing what he did, uh, and yet we feel the emotion and and we get the idea of what is happening to him. Um, so let's look at some of the highlights in these verses. And in verse 1, the thing that strikes me is the thing The thing was true. Okay, the vision given Daniel was true. How, how do we know and how did he know it was true? Well, we believe that every word from heaven and from God is true. There is nothing false. But even... In this, we must have faith. Faith that his word is true. Even though all of our experience and the fulfilling and how he has kept his promises through the ages is before us. But still in faith, we must hold these things as true. And that's the difference between uh, certainty, which brings... uh, actually brings a, a hardship upon us, uh, and faith. Faith is something that is a concept that comes from heaven, but faith is our part of being in the truth. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we must live in faith, and we must do these things. That's how I see verse 1, and then Verses 2 and 3, of course, Daniel was fasting. And and it gives some description of what he was doing. He was denying himself of many things, especially those things that were uh, a real pleasure to eat and drink. And and um, even the uh, oil that he anointed his body with and these things. Um, let's, look at, uh, let's look at James in the New Testament, James chapter 4. Verses 8 through 10. And and here we'll find a a concept that, that we don't hear a great deal about. But James teaches this. He says, draw nigh to God, or near, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself 
in the sight of the Lord, and he shall exalt you. Now, do you see any similarity there uh, between the condition that James is saying that we should uh, be thinking about doing and the condition of Daniel? I think so. Uh, But this isn't something that you do every day, all day in your whole life. These are things that you have to do from time to time to bring yourself to a position or a readiness for certain things. Maybe understanding or or maybe just to uh, center yourself in God's Word. So when it comes to fasting, it's not your hunger that brings you to the throne of God, but it's your thoughts that are on Him and on His will knowing that he, of course, is the one that wants the best for the family, that is, his family. So it's a truth that isn't often dealt with. Uh, but, you know, I think we all must realize that we, our minds can get cluttered to where we're not, uh, we're really no earthly good at all to the kingdom of God while we are that cluttered. And Daniel was certainly uncluttering himself. And you know, he had a lot of work to do. He had great responsibilities. And yet he he took this time to do this. And it was important that he did. As we go to verse 4, we find that it's, it's the closing. Uh, the days of fasting are over. And so Daniel was ready mentally to hear and to understand the things that would befall his people. He just had questions. And remember, at this very same time, there was trouble in Palestine. There was news of uh, the temple being worked on and having to stop, and there was complications that was being dealt with. And these things were of a concern to him too, although he doesn't enumerate them in that way. But we know during this time period, that was certainly happening. Daniel was patiently waiting for understanding concerning his people, Israel. And um, when we think about the, the time period that Daniel lived in, in this, he, he spent a lot of time patiently waiting for a number of things. Then in verse uh, 5 and 6 of chapter 10, we read some familiar words that kind of sets the, the tone. He says, and I lifted up mine eyes. In other words, his eyes weren't lifted up before. He lifted up his eyes. And he saw that man clothed in linen. And, the, and thus follows the great description of of the glory and the uh, and the uh, splendor of the way this man appeared, and all of that is to make clear to Daniel and to us, the reader, the origin of this man. He, he didn't come from a far country. Uh, this individual came from heaven itself, and all of this, of course, 
is how God begins things such as visions and great declarations um, in a miraculous way, in a splendorous way. And all of this, of course, is to confirm that the message that Daniel heard, the vision, things he saw, the things he heard, were indeed true. That they were indeed the very word of God. You know, we think back about the things that we read about in the Bible, the the miracles. Why were the miracles performed? Was it just on, on the on the ground level of uh, someone needed healing, uh, a withered hand or, or something of that sort? Or was there something a little more to it than that? How about when the apostles uh, perform miracles? Uh, we even find miracles in the Old Testament. You see, all of these things, and Jesus said it over and over again, um, all of these things were to confirm that he had been sent from heaven, sent by God. And if these miracles were something that people couldn't do themselves, and he did them, that means who he sent was indeed the God of heaven. The, the uh, apostles had the same situation. Within the church there were miracles and and many spiritual things that were uh, in, in that 40-year that time period that was all there to confirm that the message and the gospel was indeed from God. It was for man, and it was the way, it was God's uh, terms of pardon, if you will, that people uh, would have a motivation and have a real solid um, a solid, not not certainty, because even though you see a miracle, you have to somehow in your own mind decide, how did this happen? You know, if miracles would 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 convince everyone that everything God said is true, then the miracles that Jesus did would have convinced everyone in Palestine that he was the Messiah. But is that what happened? No. He was still, the Jews still sent him to the cross and and gave false testimony about him to the Romans. So they were forced into crucifying him. So miracles will not do that, but they do have a place. Just as the the things that Daniel saw here in this vision, had a place. They were necessary for Daniel to understand this. This is from God. In verse 7, he makes this statement, and I only, and I only, Daniel, saw the vision. Kind of reminds me of when Saul was on the road to Damascus. And the the sound from heaven, the bright light and, and the voice of the Lord. But the other men said as they heard uh they heard a noise, but they didn't hear any words. They they didn't hear what Paul heard or saw at that time. Uh these things happen. Uh it wasn't for them to hear, you see. 
This was only for Saul to hear. He responded and he did all the things that he was told to do. So, we must understand that this vision and the words and the things that Daniel saw were not to be heard or seen by anyone else at that time. Not to be known, not to be understood by anyone else at that time, but in the latter days, the last days if even, if you will, not the last day, but the last days, um, these things would be, we'd have more information, as we know, because we, we uh, read about them now. But here's the thing, like I said before, we know the, what these things were. We know what occurred. But let's look at, uh, before we move on, let's look at Revelation chapter 4. When did these things, when did people really start seeing and understanding what Daniel saw? When was the time? Well, I think we're going to find it right here in Revelation 4, verse 1 through 4. You know, as Revelation starts, of course, John is hearing uh, the, uh, the voice from heaven. And then, and then the, the Lord is commenting to the various churches, the seven churches of Asia. But in chapter 4, <clears throat> after all of those comments were made, in chapter 4 we, we hear these words, and this is, this is how it's, it begins, you see, in Revelation. And it says, after these things, in other words, the comments to the church by Jesus, I saw, John saw, and behold, a door opened in heaven, and the first voice that I heard, a voice, as of, of a trumpet speaking with me, one saying, come up hither, and I will show thee, show thee the things which must come to pass hereafter. Straightway I was in the Spirit, and behold, there was a throne set in heaven, and one sitting upon the throne. And he that sat was to look upon as uh, a jasper stone and of sardis. And there was a rainbow round about the throne like an emerald to look upon. And round about the throne were four and twenty thrones. And upon the thrones I saw four and twenty elders sitting arrayed in white garments, and on their heads, crowns of gold. And see, it goes on from there with the, with the descriptions that makes it very clear this is not happening somewhere on the Isle of Patmos. This is happening where it says, come up here, through the open door. Uh, that's the wording of this. So what time did this happen, you see? John wrote, wrote the Revelation on the Isle uh, during the reign of Nero. And it was probably completed sometime around A.D. 63 or 64. We need to understand these things because this is the fulfillment and this is the other, uh, as they say, the rest of the story um, 
on Paul Harvey. There's a rest of the story to many of the things that we hear about in Daniel. So Daniel says in verse 8, I was left alone. And I saw this great vision. The others had fled in fear and dread. Uh, The Septuagint uses the word amazement. Uh, But they were frightened. Uh, A great amazement. I suppose you can be so amazed that you're scared to death. (laughs) Uh, And they were. Because they fled in fear. And that uh, that would have been quite an occurrence. Remember, Daniel was a high official um, in the Persian Empire and and under um, Cyrus and under Darius at the same time. Uh, And yet these these men fled. So this is an event. Can you you visualize the the scope of this? It's not a small thing. It was a a great thing, a great vision. In verse 9, but at the sound of his voice, Just the sound of his voice, the words that he spoke. Daniel fell prostrate on his face to the earth, laying flat out. Now this, of course, was an ancient form of of, um, being obedient to God, being in the state or the attitude of extreme worship. The same thing happens uh, happens in the New Testament when Jesus calmed the storm. The apostles in the boat fell on their face in front of him. Same situation. They feel the the weight of heaven uh, in, in, in their place, and it causes a person to do this. It's an emotional reality of men hearing the words from heaven or seeing things. Maybe it's an involuntary response. I think it probably is in this case. How many angels have brought people back to their knees saying, oh, oh, yeah. don't worship me? Over and over again. This is, this is a, an, an emotional response. And probably involuntary. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not that they're criticized. It's that yeah. they're, just, they're helped up. Yeah. But, and we're going to see that here. Uh, in verse 10... I like the wording, but at the touch of his hand. Daniel was on his face on the earth. Face down. And at the touch of his hand, Daniel raised up to his hands and knees. Can you picture that? I think that's pretty easy. You can picture that. He was part way up. At the touch of his hand. In verse 11... And at the sound of his voice, a command was spoken. Stand upright. I speak to thee and stand upright, for I am now sent to thee. That's what the angel said. You see, Daniel was highly esteemed, not only by the kingdoms of men, but he was highly esteemed in heaven also because of the kind of man that he was. 
And because of that, he was to hear and see uh, the visions and the proclamations that God was going to make to him. As we come to verse 12, let me reread 12. I'm going to read 12, 13, and 14 as they come up. And he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand and to afflict thyself before the Lord thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come because of thy words. I hope you you grasp all of that. Um, Daniel's request to know and we don't all know all that he was saying, all that he was asking, and what was in his heart. But the request that he was making had been granted. To know the condition of his people, both at that time and into the future, however he would have formatted his own words there. It had been granted because of his humble words, his devotion to God, the idea that he was fasting, denying his body of the things that that uh, would cause him to um, maybe not be completely devoted to his thinking and his um, uh, situation, a prayerful uh, uh, consideration. He was pre- he was prepared. He was prepared. He was pre- prepared to receive the understanding. He was doing the things that he knew would cause him to be prepared. Mm-hmm. This was what was required of people to do this. This was required of the Jews in for these reasons. And he was doing just that. So, So because of it, as it says here, because of thy words, and we, we look at the words that he spoke, especially in, uh, in chapter 9, his prayer in chapter 9, we see how Daniel expresses himself in prayer. And these words were certainly uh, humble words showing a real devotion to God and a real love and concern for his people. He had a great love and concern but not greater than God's love and concern. And that he understood too. Then in verse 13, um, but the prince of the kingdom of the Persians. Now you need to let these words soak in and, and see if you can determine who we're speaking about. But the prince of the kingdom of the Persians withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the princes, came to help me, and I left him there with the chief of the kingdom of the Persians. Now this this verse is uh, controversial, if you will, because there's a number of uh, different ideas about what it could mean. It seems... It's easy to read, but is it that easy to understand? <laughs> I don't think so. In other words, who is the prince of the kingdom of the per- of the Persians? Well, 
<clears throat> you know, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, says the ruler of the kingdom of the air is, is what well, was not was not Jesus. It was, it's considered to be Satan. Jesus said Satan was the, um, the god of this world or a ruler of this world. But that was, of course, in, in that time period. So are we talking about Satan here or, or his minions or are we talking about the king of Persia, Cyrus? You see, we have to. We have two choices there. Uh, was it man or was it spiritual? Now, the debate on this point is not really settled, I think, amongst the scholars. But we can see a lot of good points in in their respective positions, um, and it may not cause us to misunderstand. Uh, He's simply talking about the things that he was doing. It doesn't really concern uh, what it is that Daniel has been hearing. But that's why he was delayed. And that in itself is interesting, uh, that Gabriel <laughs> was delayed and Michael came to help him. Michael is another arch archangel. Some say other things concerning Michael. But we know he's he's from the the host of heaven. Um, surely there was unrest in Persia for God's plans for His people Israel. There there were there were problems, and and we know that by reading read Ezra and Nehemiah, you'll see the the different problems that were happening back and forth to Persia to get things resettled, uh, restated. Um, they even had to go to the archives many years later to find out if this command had actually been given. Yes, it was. Um, but there was a lot of resistance amongst the neighbors of uh, around Jerusalem and Palestine in, in that day. They didn't want the temple rebuilt. They didn't want the Jews to come back. And there was a lot of resistance there. So there was trouble. And Cyrus, the, the king, was very involved in this to start with. And then another, another Darius following Cyrus, not the same Darius uh, that conquered Babylon, but another Darius uh, had to settle these things once again uh, some years later. So... Cyrus is certainly involved in, in this situation. And, and we need to... Uh, so, you know, I would be... Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to make too many uh, suppositions concerning this. Except you know, that there... Yeah. One percent correlation between the 21 days he was with uh, the king of Persia and the time Daniel was fasting. Is that... The, the three weeks. Yeah, was that... It, it, in the current time, or? yeah, is it the same time period? Yeah. Um, as as we heard in the other prayer that was answered, I think in chapter nine, uh, uh, 
that a decision was made when Daniel started to pray, but he went through a very long prayer in quite a bit of time before he uh, was spoke to. So, yeah, I think there could be a correlation. It's 21 days, right? right. Three weeks. I think it works out pretty good on so for long the math. As, so long as we don't start talking years here, then I think we're okay. Yeah, we're going to have to deal with the days here. <laughs> and if, if this was a conversation with the Prince of Air, then maybe it took that long to figure out who was going to go talk to Daniel. <laughs> very, very, yeah, that, that's yeah. right. You know, we forget that the angels uh, are ministering spirits, and their job is to assist God's people then and now. Uh, just because we don't see it with our eyes doesn't mean it's not happening. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's, there's a lot to be uh, talked about in that verse. Uh, and we have, but we have to be careful with our suppositions there. Um, let's look at the last verse, verse 14. And remember what it says. Gabriel says, And I have come to inform thee of all that shall befall thy people in the last days. For the vision is yet for many days. Now let's just talk a little about that. All that shall befall thy people in the last days, or the latter days of the Jewish covenant, and the system of worship that the Jews had been given by God under the, under the first covenant, as we call it, that was ordained by God through Abraham and Moses, uh, Abraham having the promise uh, to be fulfilled uh, uh, at the uh, through the Messiah for sonship and becoming the family of God, and Moses, of course, being the the head of the Jews as they left Egypt, and he was responsible for bringing the law and and uh, all that the law brought as far as instructions, regulations, and all to the Jews, that they could live under the things that were pleasing to God and knowing those things were displeasing to God. But all of that, you see, comes to a conclusion um, when these things are fulfilled. This, of course, does not pertain to just one point or one point of conflict one thing that happened uh, to the Jews, the people of Daniel. But it does pertain to one great event in the latter days, one great event. Uh, we call it, uh, the scripture calls it the, the parousia. In other words, the presence of Christ. You see, the presence of, of Christ would bring about the end of the age. But he did many things towards the end of the age that brought all these things into fruition. And uh, we got a little time here yet. Let's, let's look at Matthew 24, verse 3. Jesus is saying things here that, that make it clear 
And uh, as we know, the apostles had asked him a question about about the time periods, because Jesus had just said that that uh, that the temple would be destroyed, and and then they were very concerned about that. They wanted to know when it was happening, and. It says here in verse 3, And he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy presence, is the right word there. What be the sign of thy presence? And the end or the consummation of the age. You see, they understood that there was a, a consummation of the age. They knew that because of the Old Testament. It spoke of it many, many times. And we have it confirmed in the Greek, uh, these words. So, his presence, they understood his presence would be at the time that the consummation of the ages would occur. And Jesus said in the same chapter, in verses 13 and 14, these words, if you'll remember, um, he said this, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. You see, there's a time period. You have to, you had to live through this faithfully. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a testimony unto all the nations. And then shall the end come, the end of the age. Now many will say, well, but the gospel wasn't preached to the whole world. But let's make sure that the Bible teaches us that it was. Colossians. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. The Apostle Paul here talking about um, <clears throat> the gospel and the condition of the world at this time. I believe this was written in about 60 or 61 A.D. For it was the good pleasure of the Father that in him, that in Christ, should all the fullness dwell and through him to reconcile all things unto himself having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things upon earth or things in the heavens. And you, being in in times past alienated and enemies in your mind, in your evil works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present your... um, to present, um, yet now, here, let me start again at verse 20. Yet now he hath reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unprovable before him. Verse 23. If so be ye continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and not moving away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached in all creation under heaven, wherefore I, Paul, was made a minister. 
There's another reference to that later on in this chapter. Yes, the gospel was preached. Uh, Not always accepted. Well, of course it wasn't accepted (laughs) uh, in every place, but it was certainly certainly known. And that, of course, uh, that's... That includes uh, the Greek word for the known world. Um, there's a special Greek word for uh, in all the world, in all the known world, um, and, and that was and that is sufficient, by the way. In verse in uh, in chapter 24 in Matthew again, verse 34, Jesus makes it makes it. Uh, also clear during the timeline here, we're talking about the timeline. Just so we don't forget this verse, because it's found in, in three places in the Gospels. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all these things be accomplished. This time is past. These things that Jesus is speaking about have come, they were fulfilled, and they are in, in our past. The consummation of the ages for the Jews, the first covenant people, have been completed. In uh, AD 70 to 73, all things were taken care of. The last vestiges of the Jewish economy as it's known, I don't mean the commercial part, that, that's just how you express the entire workings of the Jewish people. You see, when these things were, were done, it affected the whole known world because of, of the issue of Jerusalem being destroyed. And, and not only that, but many of the other cities. Uh, it caused a calamity and was, was known by... <laughs> all those in the known world at that time, especially the Jews. But certainly, these things were in Daniel's future. They were in Daniel's future. How do we know that? Well, because of the time period. Uh, We know when he lived, and we know when these things occurred. And when we get to chapter uh, 12 in Daniel, especially verse 4 and verses 8, through 13, uh, the angel tells him clearly um, the fact that all of this is in the future and that not only that, that he would die, be buried, and he would raise on the uh, last day and would be be blessed with his, his people, that is the righteous Jews. All of that's in Daniel chapter 12. Now, before we close, let's read verse 15. Because after those 14 verses, this is the occurrence. And when he had spoken with me according to these words, I turned my face to the ground and was pricked in the heart. So again, these things were overwhelming to him emotionally. It caused him to to do this um, in a way of, uh, this is his emotional response to it. 
a lot of information, a lot of things that, that he, he knew, but it was certainly pricking him in the heart, which, which is a, an idea of a, a spiritual understanding. It would have been at this time that he knew it was true. That's right. He was knowing these things were true. You know, that issue of pricked in the heart is the same thing the Jews said to the Apostle Peter when he had convinced them that Jesus of Nazareth, that they had crucified, was indeed the Messiah. And what did, how did they feel? They were pricked in the heart. Caused them to repent to be converted. They were baptized and brought into the family of God, those that accepted his words. And with that, we'll pause this evening. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, once again for the time, for the opportunity, for the depth and beauty and surety of the things we find in your word for they are holy and true and from heaven above. And we pray it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.